This is the Football Index podcast, episode 44 now, and I'm joined by Buzzing Paul, a stat and PB specialist. Paul, how are you doing, man? Yeah, very good, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, man. Not too bad. We've got a lot to discuss today. You're, you're a popular man. Lots of questions. Yes, ho- hopefully I'm popular and hopefully I do a decent job of answering these questions. Uh, we'll soon find out, I suppose. Yeah, we we most certainly will. We had a nice little chat before we started and um, I think we'll jump straight into it with uh, eligible competitions and I think you want to talk a little about this topic. Yes, um, so we're going to start with the very, very basics in terms of PB. Um, apologies in advance for that, but I think there's a few points that I'd just like to raise here. Um, so eligible competitions start with the f- top five European leagues, obviously Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, League One, um, finishing with Bundesliga. Um, the difference in Bundesliga is that the 36 games in a season um, doesn't sound massively material in that it's only two fewer fewer games um, than the rest of the leagues. But over a free season bet or a free season future, that adds up to six less opportunities for PB. Um, other eligible competitions are the top uh, two European competitions. The Champions League, where you get uh, 13 extra chances for PB a season and Europa League where you get 15 extra chances for PB in a season. And that's why when you probably look at player prices, you'll see a slight premium on some of those players in the European leagues, particularly the the ones that are expected to go quite far. Yeah, so that that's the overview. Uh, and we were talking before, uh, and this has been mentioned quite a few times in previous podcasts, about potentially expanding that. Not, not necessarily to other leagues, but potentially other competitions within those leagues that are already eligible yes um it's probably a a good point to mention that any kind of change to any of the performance matrix the eligible competitions or the payout will create a bit of uncertainty we've got positive one there's lots of types of uncertainty you can have positive uncertainty and negative uncertainty but no matter the uncertainty it creates opportunity um Extending the eligible competitions you've discussed in the past. So we could talk about cup competitions. Um, My personal opinion on that is I I would be against it. And the reason I would be against it is it increases the opportunity of performance buzz going from kind of the key performance buzz players to perhaps a League Two striker who I wouldn't be able to name off the top of my head that scores a hat-trick in a round one of an FA Cup game. I can't imagine there'll be much investment and it would give significant scope for football index to further increase kind of the squad. How many players are we on now? Two and a half thousand? Uh, Yeah, something like that. We we did discuss in the previous episode about quite frankly how cluttered it is at the moment, particularly with those players who have so little price movement, particularly with those players who play in the Saudi Arabian leagues, the uh, Qatari leagues, etc. It's it's a it's a bit tough to see. It's a bit tough to look at sometimes. Yeah, so I'd be against football index instead extending the squad even further to kind of cup uh, eligible players. The other thing that we talked briefly about earlier was maybe extending uh, performance buzz to international qualifiers. That's slightly different in that it won't take performance buzz away from the, the already existing eligible competitions because most top leagues will have a break during the international fixtures. I think there's I think there's a few things that Football Index would need to iron out before they implement that. So by the time you've got South American qualifiers going on, you're going to have performance buzz eligible games that would kind of go, cross over the midnight barrier. So they'd start at 11 and finish at 12.30 or so. 
I think that raises a question. Mm, that's definitely a that's 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 definitely an interesting point, isn't it? I, I suppose the 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 main stickler in um, in actually implementing something that would happen over a normally or traditionally triple MB period would probably piss a lot of people off. Yes, you're it? right. You're right, and that and that's a perspective that I'll need you to keep pushing while while we record this because I like you mentioned I'm very much performance buzz focused i don't really (laughs) very rarely consider media buzz so please keep pushing that agenda (laughs) well that's what i'm here that's what i'm here for isn't it to to be the devil's advocate the other thing just quickly then on um, international qualifiers is data's expensive right um i I have no idea how much it would cost football index to arrange with opta to get pb um scoring for a bolivia versus venezuela game and there has to be a trade-off there between how much that would cost and how many people are going to buy these Bolivia players. I can't imagine that that comes out as an MPV positive calculation for football index in any way. But I w- like I said... And, and by MPV, what, what do you mean by... Net present value. Net present value it increases uh, football index's profit at, at, at its most simplest. So basically, it, it, in layman's terms, it isn't a profitable venture for football index to go and buy lots of data so they could provide performance buzz payouts for said bolivian players that would be my that would be my thought yeah okay and uh those are pretty you know those arguments are are pretty strong paul i'm not sure too many would argue against them and i'm certain that those who hold those prolific media buzz players or media buzz magnets would totally actually use that argument to to further push their point that there shouldn't be extra um pb eligible games but i I do think we've got a decent mix and and i I do think that opinions do seem to change and swing when we go through a long period of triple mb when maybe there's slightly more boredom and and maybe only those who have larger portfolios are able to properly reap the rewards but i guess you you get what you pay for don't you absolutely and and again You'll know more of the history of the index than I will. I'm, I'm a relatively new user, so I, I made my first trade in inverted commas. I call it. I use inverted commas because I'm still holding the player that I bought, Nabil Fakir, um, in November, I think, or maybe end of October, um, when he IPO'd, and and so I haven't haven't massively seen an an extended period of of triple media buzz. I think the longest window was the one that we've just come out of, which was three weeks, maybe. Yeah, which was also a, quite a strange one because we had so many random winners, didn't we? So um, many random winners. Which was, so, so, yeah, it was it was it was very very strange. I, I certainly didn't expect that. I thought we might see um, more randomness in the in the winners prior to the World Cup, and then potentially I thought during the World Cup you'd you'd have some of the the mainstay big names get some some media dividends in. But then after that, it was kind of anyone's game, wasn't it? Anyone who was linked with the transfer. We saw Higuain make it into the top three a few times. Willian dominated. I think he he returned about fifty p, which was ridiculous over the summer. About the most undervalued player over the period over that period of time for me, I think. Yeah, I I, I, I certainly think that had it been Man United links rather than perhaps Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid. Uh, slightly as well then we probably would have seen a massive massive spike in price but but nevertheless moving on to the to the next topic or next thing on the agenda is the dividend payout structure and we talked a little bit about tiered pb in the the previous episode but you've got something slightly different to to kind of discuss don't you 
Yes, and, and so the, the 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 basic payout structure is available on your uh, beginner guide. So a uh, quick plug for you there. Um, <laughs> Thank what you I wanted very to much, do, mate. What, what I wanted to do was tie into uh, Fi Charlie's question. I don't know if you had that to hand. Yeah. So, so Fi Charlie, uh, he asked us what what play outside the top ten highest priced players. Do you expect to return the most dividends? And then he goes on to say, also you make reasonably accurate pb dividend predictions i'm assuming he's talking about you paul not uh, not myself do you trade in and out of players for particular matches or take a more long-term strategy so in, in layman's terms i guess charlie is asking one what player outside the top 10 players will return the most dividends and two you know do you just hold throughout a season or do you hold for say six fixtures or maybe a couple games okay the second one's probably more pertinent for this topic area but i'll, I'll address the first one quickly and and, and do another plug um so bo- both you and i partic- participated in football indexes edges pb predictions and i'm sure yes. and i'm sure that's full of a bit of confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance but that kind of gives listeners a half decent gauge of what the market ex- would expect for certain players um i can't remember if you do you remember who your highest returner outside the top 10 was there outside the top 10 yeah um well, while you're thinking mine mine was nicola otamendi at man city um and i i guess we've only had one game week of of data and we've got a question on that coming up later but otamendi didn't start I appreciate he had a, a relatively long run at the World Cup, but at some point Pep Guardiola is going to start kind of blooding the youngsters in stones and uh, Laporte, isn't he? Um, I predicted about ATP for Otamendi, which seems wildly ridiculous. I mean, I, I think I think oh, ATP for Otamendi—that's that's 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 quite high, <laughs> it isn't it? Is. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not not trying to downplay anyone who, who owns Etimendi, but uh, certainly more than he he returned last season. So it remains to be seen whether he can do that again. Mine was a pretty safe pick, actually. I I, I chose I think Hamas Rodriguez, and I was going to sound like an idiot if this is wrong, but I think that's what I chose or who I chose to to return the most out the outside the top ten rather. Yeah, it, 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 he's a good shout. I mean, again, there's changed this season. Uh, Bayern have got a new manager, Nico Kovac. Um, who did well? Good, good signs yesterday in their five-nil victory against Eintracht Frankfurt. Hopefully, if he can kind of keep keep on the pitch for the full ninety minutes, he should be returning a lot more dividends next season than this. Yeah, one. I'm not sure if I had him. I, I think I might have even had him down to win slightly less dividends than last season, or around about the same. But I, I still think he he could be one of the big returners outside the top ten. But I I think uh, I'm not sure if Dybala was eleventh at the time of when we made those predictions because I he probably would have been the one that I had down as the most whether or not um, Ronaldo will impact him uh, as much as some traders think I'm not sure uh, maybe it will help maybe it won't it's, it's just one of those where no one knows so I thought I'd hazard a guess at him but uh, yeah I think him and um, Hammers between the 10 and 15 I think you're going to have your your usuals right like Lionel Messi is I had him down as the, the highest earner in terms of PB I just think that 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 Barcelona team just literally giving the ball at all times, don't they? So uh, it, I don't, again, we we might have it's going to be really interesting, and I, and I love being surprised. I point I point to Mohamed Salah so much uh, just because of his extraordinary MB run, but also he did he did pick up a fair bit of PB. So that there can be those who surprise and delight us. So hopefully we'll have another one of those uh, along with those uh, mainstays still winning a bit of PB. Well, that, that's the key for listeners, really, isn't it? It's 
using all the available information to you to pick out who will be this season's Mo Salah, because there will be one. There will be a player that rises from £2 to £5 and has a, a really breakout season. You just need to be able to identify him and jump on him as soon as you possibly can. It's it's not the easiest thing to do by, by any stretch of the imagination, but for those of you who do manage to do it this season, you're in for a great ride and you're going to make a lot of money, I think. <laughs> if it was easy, it'd be boring and... And and football index would have a significantly less viable product, wouldn't they? Yeah, they they definitely would. But what what about uh, Fi Charlie's second statement or question? Uh, he he asks you if you trade in and out of players for particular match- matches. So basically, do, do you target fixtures? Yes, more or less. Um, so I'll target individual single days. Um, single days are great because there's only one to four matches there, so your chance of winning is particularly high. And obviously the dividend payout is reflective of that. I'll also target kind of low fixture double days. So double days are between five and 14 matches. Anything less than eight matches where there's a significantly strong favourite playing, I'd probably target a few of those players. In most circumstances, though, I'll, I'll try and trade out before the fixture actually kicks off in the hope that other people will kind of spot that potential PB payout and buy the player if i'm holding throughout the game i'll tend to instant sell as soon as i get the dividend payout within my um account mm, interesting and uh, why, why do you sometimes take that profit before the game is is even started um it depends how 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 much how risk averse i'm feeling i suppose it depends whether i've there's another opportunity that i see that i want to invest in straight away Fair enough. There's, so it's all about there's... it's all about keeping that capital liquid, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so, so the other the other st- strategy that Charlie alludes to is a long term one, and absolutely, my portfolio is kind of weighted towards long term holds, regardless of PB strategy. It's kind of my trading strategy. I don't want to be on the index day in day out watching every price move. I don't have the time to do that. Um, So long-term strategy, like I kind of alluded to when we talked about the eligible competitions, I'm holding lots of players that I expect to go far in the European competitions. Inevitably, post-Christmas, those those prices will appreciate. Again, that that water is quite uh, dangerous. We saw, I I was certainly surprised when certain teams got knocked out of Europe last season, how much the prices dropped and how quickly the prices dropped for some of those players. But it, it, it's a reasonable long-term strategy now to start investing in those teams and those players from those teams that you expect to go far in Europe. Yeah, I, I certainly think that that's, that's something that a lot of traders do, uh, particularly with the, the amount of dividends won in the Europa League. I think that went above a lot of people's heads last season, the Europa League. I, I don't think people realised that you actually had a lot of double days and then triple days onwards from the... I think you had the last 32, which was a triple day then the last 16 was a double and then quarterfinals obviously onwards uh, all triple days in in europe so uh, i think that was slept on and it'd be surprising to me if if those players in the europa league didn't see uh, a lot of action when we get to that kind of february period but i think we need to move on here paul and next you want to talk about the pb matrix uh so why don't you kick us off about that you've you've kind of chopped it up into five sections yeah five main categories um of kind of ways that you can score performance buzz for each one i kind of want to talk about the nuance in the definition and and i'd kind of advise uh, listeners to look at opta definitions um, rather than fi because fi tend to be a bit 
unspecific on their definitions. Um, we'll talk about the specific points. Um, and, and, and again, I'd encourage listeners to become familiar with the PB scoring system. You, you, you probably felt this to a, a greater extent than I have, but I've had quite a few new followers. And, and, and my key, my kind of first golden rule to them would be to understand the rules. One of the main rules is understanding the performance uh, buzz matrix. Um, I'm going to introduce the concept of stacking as well, um, which I'm not sure has been used anywhere. Hopefully I can explain that and users can get some or listeners can get some value from that. And then we'll talk about a bit about the types of players that that specific um, point system is is designed for. Um, so, so yep, we said we split it five ways. The first way is passing. Was it, was it SG that said passing is for show? And goals is for dough. <laughs> I believe so. I believe it sounds like something you'd say. This 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 is passing then. Um, so the, so the opta definition is nice and clear. It has to be an intentional uh, pass, and it doesn't include throw-ins. You get one point for a six one one point for a pass attempt, and a giveaway pass is minus three. However, you also get a plus one uh, point for the pass. So the net score on a giveaway pass is minus two. What that means is you need a 67% pass accuracy to gain a positive points score from your passing over the game. And so this is why when we, if we come on to talk about goalkeepers and when we come on to talk about forwards, they forwards tend to need a lot of goals to, to do well on performance buzz and goalkeepers don't perform very well at all. It's because they tend not to be entirely accurate with their passing. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the the strikers need a lot of goals. That's the that's their job, isn't it? To some extent, you're right. That's why they get paid a lot more money than we do <laughs> <laughs> to score goals. Um, but budget, just just to put a few percentage on that. So, so Romelu Lukaku, who as a Man United fan I adore, I thought he had a fantastic World Cup for Belgium. He's not the most attractive PB um, proposition. He averages about sixty eight percent passing accuracy which means he's going to struggle to break even for passes across a 90-minute fixture. Harry Kane's not much better. He's about 71% passing accuracy. So so what, what that means for those players is that in that breakdown of five different categories, they're basically scoring zero in the passing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the players that tend to do very well on passing are your centre-backs, your centre-midfielders. Uh, Thiago Silva had the highest passing accuracy last season at 96%. Uh, this we this this list is filled of uh, really recognisable names. So John Stones is second at ninety five point eight. Tony Cruz nine, ninety three point one. So passes passes for show favours your centre backs and your central midfielders. Crossing is next, and I absolutely adore crossing from a performance buzz perspective. The sole reason is that there's no negative points associated with crossing. Opta defines uh, crossing as a pass from wide position into a specific area in front of the goal, which I've translated as a pass from between the outside of the box and the touchline into the box. Um, there's, there's two points that you can score for crosses. The first one is just three points for a cross. And then an accurate cross, you get four points. And this is where I'm, I'll introduce uh, stacking to you. So an accurate cross is... Def- is uh, categorized in the performance buzz matrix as four points but you also get three points for the cross so an accurate cross will actually get you seven total points a lot of people forget that don't they paul they, they do forget that 
an accurate cross is a cross plus the accurate cross points on top of it so a, a little thing for for traders especially you newbies who who haven't been on for too long to recognize that it's not only the accurate cross points that you get but it's also the original cross points and, and an accurate cross is a, a cross that meets um a a player's head essentially or a player on your team's head okay uh, and also obviously if they score that's an assist 10 points plus a accurate cross plus a cross so you're looking at 18 points there so that stacking element that you you mentioned there can stack up pretty high especially uh, i think you mentioned before the the recording started game winning goals can can attribute up to 106 points of, of someone's total score so you could be having quite like a bang average game maybe scoring 80 points towards the end of a match which is pretty average below average score a game winning goal suddenly you're at uh, 186 which isn't half bad and on a single day sometimes even a double day if you're lucky could could nab your performance buzz win so that that's pretty interesting um so the next category then is goals um and you're probably rolling your eyes at this uh petra a goal should be the most obvious thing in um football um but you'll remember harry kane last year versus stoke where he claimed a goal that I'm pretty sure he never got a touch on. Um, also, there was a dubious uh, Lukaku connection to a ball when he was playing for Everton. But yeah, you're right in that this is where we really start to stack stack points up. Um, so a shot in itself is worth three points. A shot on target is five individually, and then you stack the three for a shot. So total is eight points. A goal then is worth 40 PB points, and you add the five for the shot on target and the three for the shot total 48 and then this is where we get to the golden ticket which is the game winning goal you get 40 points for the game winning goal 40 points for the goal five for the shot on target and three for the shot as you mentioned earlier that's 106 points for one touch of the football and an incredible return for what can take it only takes a second to score a goal right kind of a bit of data that i've been looking at um and hopefully this should be new to the vast majority of listeners um, so if you score, I've looked at a, a, a full season of Premier League data. If you score one goal in a match, you've got about 30% chance of that being a game-winning goal. If you score two goals in an individual match, that's about 50% of ch- chance of winning game-winning goal. And three goals in a match is an 80%, 80% chance of game-winning goal. So you can see just scoring one goal in a match tends not to be enough in the vast in 70% of circumstances and two after you score two, you have about a fifty percent chance of winning game winning goal, and there's adjustments to make for that. For Liverpool, for example, they'll score a lot of goals and win a lot of games, so you've probably got less chance of winning game winning goal. But I just thought that would be an interesting stat to share with everyone. That is interesting, and uh, on the other side of things, clean sheets and defending, which I think you're going to move on to next, if I'm not mistaken, Paul. City uh, Index LDN was telling me that eighty eight percent of defend defenders that won pb last season had a clean sheet i'm really sorry we're we're recording on a monday if by sunday he hasn't released the stat i'm gonna feel like an absolute idiot but uh i think that's what he was telling me that yeah 88 percent of defenders had a clean sheet so how important is that for defenders so absolutely huge you're right so clean sheets and, and there's an important nuance here so clean sheet points get added at the end of the game you need to play 90 minutes as a defender or goalkeeper in order to earn those 25 points. Um, we can't stack clean sheets on anything, but by the time you add clean sheets at 25 points and match outcome, where you get 18 points for a win, 15% f- 
minus 15 points for a loss. You're talking about, let's do the maths quickly on that one, 18 out of 25, 43 additional points for defenders. Um, just just for being on the pitch, essentially. That's, that's massively underselling their role. But there's a lot of bonus points that defenders can win that aren't available for midfielders or forwards. And there's a slight difference there between fantasy football, isn't there? So you tend to get a clean sheet, significantly lower clean sheet points for midfielders in fantasy football. They're just not eligible for those points in um, in football index world. And that's important to understand. Uh, and and on to your last category, which is other simply. What what does that entail? <laughs> so other, we talked about match income. Uh, the, the important note, there's a 33 point swing here between a, a win and a loss. Um, so that can have a real impact on a, on a player's score. And if you'll win, I think... I think it's LDN again that's just released some stats suggesting that there was only six players that lost the game and won a performance buzz dividend last season. And that's because they're getting 33 points less than they would if they win. There's also lots of negative points that from a modelling perspective I ignore. Um, tends to be because of materiality so that they don't make a massive difference to the, the, the total score. There's cards, offside, penalties missed and conceded and then goals conceded. And the final set, the final kind of um, performance buzz score is corners won. Now, we talked about the golden ticket in a game-winning goal earlier. This, for me, is an endangered species. I cannot find any data anywhere on corners won. So if any of you guys listening have got that, please feel free to send it to me or tell me how I can get it. <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening and you've got some corners won data, you know who to go to. But I think we've we've got to move on, Paul, because we've got so much to cover. Something that Mike and Adam both mentioned on episode 33 when they came on the pod was a data center or some sort of c- centralized thing on a revamped website where we could all, probably similar to Football Index Edge, but you'd think probably more advanced and with more data that traders can can actually tap into and use um, to aid their trading. How excited are you for this? Yes, um, this is the thing that I'm most excited about. And I I think relative to the order book and the potential share split, I think this is most likely to increase user retention. And from my perspective, now they've had a huge marketing push. And I've noticed quite a few new followers, which hopefully means quite a few new users. I think user retention should be at the top of the FI's priority list. So it ties in quite nicely to Stanford's, Stanford's question as well. So we, he asked us about uh, what, what I make and, and you as well, what, what we make of uh, investment in youth project prospects with the recent onboarding of users and how, how kind of people's opinions of those youth prospects will change once Performance Buzz comes back. And I, I kind of, Kylian Mbappe is the go-to guy f- from from when we refer to youth prospects. He's about, is he in the top five most expensive players on the index now? Yeah, I, I always I always think of, I'm not sure if I ever actually refer to him actually, because I wouldn't think of Kylian Mbappe as a youth prospect. He's probably one of the best top 20 players in the world. So I, I more look at the players who haven't actually even broken into their first team as prospects, if that makes sense. So I, I don't know if you've, you want to refer to someone. Uh, and even Callum Hudson-Odoi maybe doesn't fit into that category, although we, we saw a lot of people calling him overpriced and, and recently had a slight correction in price. I, I'm thinking more of those academy guys and the people who just don't really play, haven't really played in the first team and, and might not for a little so while. W- let's go. Let's go. Willem Goobles. Excuse my pronunciation there. So he was at Leon. He's 16 years old, made one league appearance last season, transferred to Monaco. 
question mark. Um, and so, so, so I kind of thought, let's let's think of Willem Goobles from a, a new user's perspective. Native within Football Index, there's very little historical data on there. I can't look at him and see um, with how how many media buzz dividends he's won, how many performance buzz dividends he's won. All I can see is his age. He's 16, maybe 17 now. Okay, great. He's young. He will always improve and he should get better. He's at Monaco, which is the second best team in France and has been for a number of seasons. He's also had a steady increase in price. Those three things that I can see immediately on Football Index are three huge ticks against his name. I am probably, with that information, going to buy Willem Goobles because from from all the things that it's telling me, he's a good investment. Now, we as experienced users know where to go for that non-native information. So media buzz and performance buzz historical data, we can go to, we've mentioned Edge a few, Edge a few times, we've got Footy Index Scout, Index Game, which is really making some progress in kind of user-friendly reporting. And then you've got Noir 4X's data site or data spreadsheet. We know we can go and get that information somewhere, but new users either haven't got that information yet or will never get that information because they're not active on Twitter. So once we put once we put the data center in place, new users should be able to get all that information from one place, which should lead them to make more informed decisions. And hopefully that will make them less likely to be stung by any future price drops in some of these youth prospects. For me, for me, that can only help in user retention. And like I said, that's the most important thing for Football Index now that we've got a huge increase or the re- after the huge increase in user base. Yeah, I often speak about how I predict or estimate rather that there's probably about 15, 20,000 active users between there. So how do we work at making it a better environment for user retention? I think there's there's only a, a long term that has to improve, doesn't it? Because you can only exhaust as much marketing material and get the name out as much as you can before you exhaust all acquisition pathways. Then it's all about retention. And the more users you retain and the more users you retain that are happy, the more likely they are to recommend this to their friends and so on and so forth. The network effect, I often talk about how word of mouth is probably the best way to market something. Uh, And certainly those things are are very important that you've just mentioned. But I think we've got to move on. Sorry about this, Paul, but we've we've got so much to get through. Um, But but I mean, Footy Index FPL did actually ask, uh, it's more of a statement. He says 30 plus performance plus players look cheap compared to similar young players will their prices increase significantly if or when they start bringing in pb turns or will the market continue to discount their prices well i mean most or first and foremost i think that those youngsters that don't return when it when it gets a bit more into the season might start dropping whether or not that money goes straight into players that are returning pb naturally you might think so I'm I'm not sure if it will definitely happen. Uh, I, it's it's harder to predict these days because there are people, as you said, that that make decisions 
with very little data in in regards to who they buy. So it's very difficult for me to sit here and say, yes, that's definitely going to happen because it's the logical way the money should flow, right? But as you said, those decisions that are sometimes being made might not be so informed because they're based on such little data. Isn't that right? Yes, I think I agree with you here. I think I think the, I might get splinters on the backside here, but I think the answer to a footy index FPL question is both. I think I think older players will continue to be discounted. I think a lot of experienced users are still. I, I choose this word very carefully. Overreacting to Ibrahimovic, you I, I wasn't on the platform at the time, but I believe there was a huge decrease in his price when he got injured in the Europa League. Yeah, there was a massive fall. He uh, he dropped from about seven pounds to about four fifty, and then when it was confirmed that he'd he'd properly done his his ligaments, he was he was falling even harder. So yeah, I think there's always going to be an element of of that in in the back of kind of the experienced trader's mind, which will mean that we've got there is a serious discount to be had on those over thirty players. And again, like you, I think I expect some of the money to flow from younger players who or the youth prospects that aren't necessarily starting, who we've talked about previously, into performance buzz players. But they could also flow into media buzz players as well. Mm, certainly so. Certainly so. Well, I hope Fitty Index FPL can take something away from that. Next, we're going to talk about baseline, which is the biggest buzzword on Football Index. Uh, well, it might not be the biggest one anymore. I don't really hear much of it anymore. Uh, Paul, why don't you run us through what I, inverted commas, baseline is? Yes, um, I... It's a very, very good question and by far the, the, the question that I get asked most frequently on Twitter, so it's a good one. A baseline kind of originated, as far as I'm aware, in fantasy football when they introduced their, their baseline uh, point system or bonus point system. I think, you, and you've alluded to it, there's a bit of a stigma attached to it um, because people have used it quite frequently, frequently without explanation or backup. Hopefully I'll kind of uh, uncover some of the mystery of what a baseline is. Um, at, its, at, its, at its highest level, it's the average performance buzz points you'd expect from a player just for being on the pitch. So they don't necessarily do anything spectacular. They don't score any goals. They don't get any assists. In an ideal world, the calculation would be available in the data center. It, it, would, be, it would be their performance buzz points excluding goals, assists, match outcome and most negative points apart from unsuccessful passes. In my rating system that people will be familiar with if they follow me on Twitter, it's it, it's essentially their total for passes, crosses, shooting and defending. Baseline is a really, really good metric to see who you would kind of expect a, a decent average score from. But back to SG's saying uh, passes for show and goals for doe, you always want a high average um, with a game winning goal, ideally. Does that is that clear? Is that clear? I I really want to make sure that everyone understands what this is really. Yeah, I I think that you want ideally as high an average as possible with as large a standard deviation as possible. If if that makes sense, because you want someone who has a high average but also has the potential to score a lot higher than that average, as far above that average as possible. So that's the ideal. But I guess that that goes into the question that uh, Danilo FI trader asked. And he he asked, uh, or he says rather, baseline versus peak scores and frequency of the latter. What's more important for you and why? I think you've alluded to this slightly, but go on and and, and explain it a bit further, Paul. Uh, Yes, so you mentioned average and uh, standard deviation, didn't you? Um, Probably worth explaining what peak is. 
Um, it's something that Footy Index LDN introduced me to, uh, and it, and it's a measure of how many players, how many times players score above an average winning score. And the answer to Nilo's question again is both. Again, it feels like an easy answer. Um, it probably does warrant a further explanation. So I, I mentioned earlier that I do target single game days and low fixture double days for um, dividend payouts. I would 99 times out of 100 take a high average score for those low fixture game days. For your double and treble days when you've got lots and lots of fixtures on the day, I'd take a high peak score. So someone who's likely to return over the average the most amount of times. But again, I don't feel we're on the very, very rare occasion. We don't have to choose between the two. There are players who return a high average and a high percentage of peak score. Now, predictably, they're some amongst some of the most expensive players on the index. But if you can spot those kind of way down towards the bottom of the top 200 or towards the top of the squad, and if they do a Mo Salah like they did, like we saw last season, you would expect huge dividend uh, payouts and kind of a huge increase in price for those. So, so, so I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm greedy, so I'm going to pick both, Danilo. <laughs> so both is is the answer there, Danilo. But w- what we've seen usually is is when the pools are limited in terms of players, that that high averages do count for something. But the majority of the time, when we do have uh, those those double days and, and treble days, it's it's all about those peak scores. Realistically, isn't it? We'll move on to the next question. This is from N- Index eighty eight. Do defenders represent the best value? given they get the same amount of PB but cost very little in general in comparison to the rest of players? Again, a really, really good question. I think uh, I think for T-Index LDN really loves defenders and I wish I had a little snippet from him to, to talk us through this one because I think I've asked this to him before. So so let's, let's look at some of the numbers. Um, so your average treble winning um, PB day for a defender is 184 points. For a midfielder, and a forward, it's 214. So the average score that you need to win performance buzz is lower. Great. You also get 25 extra points for a clean sheet. So you've got more ways of scoring points. Also, defenders are significantly lower priced than a few midfielders and the vast majority of forwards. So as soon as you return a a treble payout, your value, or, or what I would define as return on investment, is significantly higher for a defender than it would be for a midfielder or a forward, and yeah, I'd, I'd, I I I would wha- I could wax lyrical about defenders all day, um, as I'm as I'm sure lots of lots of the listeners can. I guess I guess they're just not quite as as sexy as midfielders or forwards, are they? Yeah, it's true. They they don't have those dynamic winning performances or or winning goals as often than I I guess, but they're obviously less media buzzworthy as well and and I think that forwards correct me if I'm wrong Paul are, are more likely to hit those peak scores and so are midfielders right in terms of like the very very top scores in terms of winning those star player to uh, payouts yes uh, I, for, I forget the numbers but your Neymars and Messi's are more likely to score or, or have a better chance of peak or historically have have peaked more than your best defender who I've got down as Otamendi. So the next thing on the agenda, and we, we've talked about young players a little bit earlier in the episode, but what about old players? Are we are we marginalising them 
too quickly here, Paul, in, in general? Yes, definitely. I wrote a I wrote a blog on this for Football Index Edge recently. Um, th- th- I think I used Leon as the best example of, of this, and it's probably not as appropriate after their um, result yesterday. Um, but Bertrand Traore was about 20p more expensive um, relative to the uh, Leon youth players. Um, Le- Bertrand Traore is not old. He's 22 years old. But he, he, he got about 2,500 minutes last season relative to the other Leon youngsters whose name um, escaped me at the minute. Uh, maybe Hissamoa. Uh, didn't yes. get that many. Uh, he, I, I like Hussamoa though. And he's a midfielder. There's two. There's two forwards who I. Um, I may, uh, Maxwell him. Maxwell Cornet. Yes. So, so when you compare the price or price of Cornet to the price of uh, Bertrand Traore, there was 20p difference when I wrote the article. Um, Bertrand Traore is by no means old. He's 22 years old. When by the time you get to 30, I think there is a definite discount, and I would expect the discount to continue, which for me makes kind of you're over 30 price bracket particularly attractive from a value and again my definition of value is expected return on investment or how much dividends I expect to get and I think again we've talked about defenders not being particularly sexy and attractive and media grabbing I think the same can be said for for most over 30 players if you've obviously got to exclude Ronaldo and Messi from those because they are significant outliers in every aspect of football. Mm, yeah, certainly so they're, they're superhuman aren't they but players like uh, someone asked me the other day if, if Danny Alves would be 9 or £10 if he was 21 years old which was quite a funny question but certainly if, if he was 21 he'd probably be top of the uh, defenders list wouldn't he and then you mentioned Thiago Silva earlier in the episode I think over the weekend him and Marquinhos scored relatively well and Marquinhos went up significantly even though neither of one neither of them won PB uh, in the defenders category, Marquinhos went up quite a bit. Thiago Silva didn't, even though they posted similar scores, which was, you know, quite reactive and and it, it kind of encompassed the index as we know it currently quite well, which I which I, uh, I not necessarily liked, but I thought it was interesting to watch Marquinhos go up and and Thiago Silva not it, it, just because of age. Probably, I'm not sure if someone saw something or, or saw some stats in the past where Marquinhos was more of a goals threat, but uh, I'm not too sure. But I think um, we've got to move on to our last, I think, three or four questions here, Paul. So first one comes from uh, Golfing Grandad, who seems to have a question every single week. <laughs> he said, if you have a player that you predict to win PB maybe once or twice over the season, so these are the, the guys that you don't expect to win PB very regularly, but maybe once, twice, three times, he asked, would you move on from them after they've won, in theory, already returned what you wanted, so they've already exceeded or matched the expectation that you'd given, and take the rise of their price too, or would you hold them? People are wondering about Pepe, Nicola Pepe, the uh, Lille forward who, who uh, took home the forwards PB over the, the preceding weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? This is probably the question that I've spent the most time thinking about. Um and and this is the easy option for me, but I've assumed game days are independent outcomes. So what I mean there is a performance buzz score next weekend won't be dependent on the performance score in the previous weekend. So if they win once, and, and as Nicola Pepe won last weekend, it won't necessarily mean that he doesn't win 
next weekend. And in fact, it doesn't make him less likely to win next weekend. And I think this goes back to the real answer is, is down to the individual and what your trading strategy is and, and what the opportunities or the alternative opportunities are with your capital. Um, I don't think there's a correct answer here. That You can always be more right or, or, or less wrong. And it's about maximizing the times that, that you could be less wrong. My trading strategy, again, is to hold for long term. So if I had Nicolas Pepe, I would be holding because... Like I said, I don't think next week's performance buzz score is going to change depending or or because he scored particularly well last weekend. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, I think, say, if you'd, you'd invested in a player, for example, Nicola Pepe, and you'd expected or you'd, you'd done some, not simulation, but you've kind of guesstimated that he'd win between one and three performance buzz dividends considering how poor Lille were last season, that's not a bad return considering he was 140 before uh, that game then if he's already won one then that's kind of him using up one of his lives in, in inverted commas the, the probability obviously automatically increases for him to then get one to three for the remaining fixtures if that makes sense because he's already won one and if you're expecting him to one to win one between one and three. Let's say three dividends uh, out of forty fixtures. That's a uh, you know just thirteen point three three to one chance of of winning PB. Um, so every thirteen point three three one games, you'd expect him to win one performance buzz. So if he wins that one performance buzz, then you've kind of won a thirteen to one bet, if that makes sense. So then what are the odds of you winning another two or, or another three, sorry, 13 to one bets throughout that season? If that makes sense, I either sound like a genius or an absolute idiot. No, there is a point here and I'll try and squeeze it out. So, so winning performance buzz doesn't depend on your performance buzz score entirely. It depends on all the other performance buzz scores from all the other players on that game day. If Nick, let's choose, let's take Pepe, Pepe as the example again. If he, I, I can't remember the scores from Friday. If he scored ten points less, he might not. If he scored one point less, he might not have won performance buzz. Just because he's won performance buzz last weekend on that score doesn't mean doesn't affect his score in the future. And I'm going to be a long term holder for these people, so I'm not going to sell them. But I appreciate your argument, and you can you can sell them after you've after they've returned what you expected them to if you've got a better opportunity, if you can make more money elsewhere. And that that is a key point as well that needs to be repeated. Only if you've got a better opportunity elsewhere. Definitely so. I don't think you should leave around too much capital doing nothing. Obviously, you, you want some to be quite reactive and, and reactionary to the market. But at the same time, I do think you're right that someone could repeat their exact same scores as last season and due to certain variables and situations, they could win double the amount of performance buzz dividends, couldn't they? So it's all situational. It's all uh, There's so many variables to consider when, when talking about PB. It's, it's actually too complex for us to make any proper proper um theses uh about the football index performance buzz matrix because there, there just are so many variables but i think we'll we'll move on to the next question footy index 102 just says thoughts on how first weekend of pb returns has gone and who caught your eye uh i think i 
commented on Marquinhos and, and Thiago Silva, their price actions being quite strange. Um, anyone else that caught your eye or, or someone that you thought rose that shouldn't have rose or, or someone that you just th- thought was an interesting bit of price movement? Um, I, yeah, I've, I've, I've ignored price movement for this and just looked at pure performance buzz scores. Um, it, it, it probably worth raising that the first weekend is one game day of information and, and sample size is always in football is always going to be ridiculously small because so many factors can change both seasonally depending on which competition you're entering and on the specific game day um, but, but I enjoyed this question so so Friday I, I've picked Max Gradle out at Toulouse they lost 4-0 away to Marseille he scored um, 70 points and, and based on the base definition that I gave earlier he, he, he gave a base score of 100. If we add on a game-winning goal, which at some point this season you'd expect him to score, to that 100, you get 100, or sorry, 208. That 208 isn't far from the average uh, winning score last season on a treble day for forwards. One treble day at his current price represents a, an ROI of about 15%. That, that, that's a route I could potentially go down. Mm. On the flip side, if he, if he is losing four nils, then potentially are you in danger in investing in a player that that could or or may not win that many games this season and and those variables start stacking up against each other so you need him to not only win a game which they might not do too regularly and then for him to score in the game that they win so it's even more improbable but but i guess i see what you're saying if that makes sense no it's it's improbable but that's why he's 85p right (laughs) Very true. Very true. What about over the over the Saturday Sunday, the the the, the juicier uh, days? Yeah, uh, Saturday I was most impressed. It's not a specific player, but it's the Chelsea defence. So so under Maurizio Sarri last season, the the centre backs were incredible. Raul Raul Obial returned thirty p. Koulibaly twenty four p. Rudiger came second on Saturday with a score of one hundred and seventy eight points. I, I'd expect he, he's probably increased in prices about two pounds ten now. Once once those Chelsea centre backs are confirmed in in the Sarri ball system, I'd expect both of them to to increase steadily in price across the course of the season. Um, the note of caution there: when Napoli got eliminated into the Europa League uh, last season, they didn't quite take it seriously. So so you might have to just rely on a Premier League dividends from those players. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder who will start in that Chelsea defence because they do have quite a lot of options. Obviously, at right back they've got Azpilicueta, Zapacosta, Victor Moses. In centre half they have Christensen, Cahill, uh, David Luiz, Rudiger. You mentioned then obviously uh, Ampadu, the um, the youngster, seventeen year old. And then at left back they have Alonso and Emerson. So I guess the thing against you there is um, just the wide varied selection that the Maurizio Sarri has to pick from. Yeah, uh, he, he was. Um... He was known to not rotate at Napoli. He's got a lot more scope to do that with Chelsea. And you have to consider the fact that they'll be playing on Thursday with the Europa League and Sunday in the Premier League. So they might choose to rotate a first choice and a second choice defence. But that's that's something I'd definitely re- recommend listeners keep on top yeah. of. What what about the Sunday then, Paul, if you had to pick? Sunday was really, Sunday was really interesting. Um, so I... I, I I talked earlier about targeting low fixtures, double dividend days, and and Sunday was one of those. But, and it's a big but, there were four incredible performance buzz teams playing. Uh, We had Liverpool, uh, Man City, Lyon and PSG. So, 
not ideal and, and something that you have to consider when you're looking or if you're looking to target those kind of uh, low fixture days. Um, again, I've, I've chosen um, a kind of position for a specific team. It, it was the Leon midfield here. So they, they were home to Am- Amion, um, which is about the easiest fixture they'll get at home all season. Um, and and we, we got decent performance bus scores across their midfield. So Tussar scored 130, Ndombele 128 and OR up for 103. I, th- I think that's, again, that's one to monitor, like the Chelsea back line. They're all young. As soon as we there's a clear goal scorer that emerges amongst them, I, I think they'll be seeing some investment from me. Mm, interesting. All right, we'll move on to the next question. Uh it's not really a question. This was something that sparked a lot of discussion. FI Economist, he, he tweeted, we're really starting to see the effects of massively growing user base in Football Index. But long term, if nothing else changes and the user growth continues, then virtually no player's value is going to be backed by tangible underlying dividend prospects. What did you make of this discussion here, Paul? It's a, it's a really interesting one. It's a really interesting one. And it, and it comes back to hope, hopefully it's a similar question what each individual user, each individual listener defines as value. Um, so I've alluded to my definition a couple of times while we've been we've been talking, and I define value as what I expect over a 12-month period, a specific player, a specific future to return in dividends. My portfolio is targeted at about 10% annual uh, dividend return on investment. And, and until we get to the point where the, the most expensive players aren't expected to return around the 10%. I think you are in danger there of, of having prices that aren't backed up um, by dividends. So so what what are your thoughts when that does happen? What What's the, the potential solution? Because I, I, I personally can't think of one. I think people have alluded to a, to a share split because I think would be a short-term solution. And I, the only reason I think, or a potentially a share split would be useful is... is to increase liquidity if you're uncertain about uh, order books, for, for example. But even then, after that, there, there still needs to be a, a long-term solution further to that, which, I don't know, we talked about, um, I think Mike talked about following the, the kind of Bitcoin model where you have bits of a, of a share. I'm not sure what's, what the solution could be long-term. What, 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 what are your thoughts on this, Paul? So I like, I like the solution that you just mentioned. You'd obviously have to change the uh, PB payout structure to accommodate that because you can't pay um, 10% of some of the payouts as they stand currently. I also, and this is, this I'm not suggesting that this will be the outcome at all, but from a user perspective, we'd all love f- uh, Football Index to increase their dividend payouts. <laughs> uh, this, this definitely not going to happen uh, yeah. uh, judging by your reaction and, and, and my gut feel but I, I guess I, I think we're not there yet and I also think that if we want to avoid those cycles where it's increased dividend payout then share split for, for kind of no reason I think if you're in doing a share split to increase liquidity like it was back in the day where it was quite stagnant and it was very necessary then potentially want to avoid that cycle but but what what, anything else any any clever ideas on your pool on your side paul (laughs) you're testing me now aren't you (laughs) testing me now i mean it's fine if you don't because i have absolutely no idea and i'm I'm just hoping kieran at uh, football index has something clever up his sleeve 
I, I'm unfortunately, and I apologise. I'm, I'm I'm stuck for ideas on this one. <laughs> There's no problem. That that kind of leads us uh, perfectly onto our last question, which is kind of a and finally fun question. Could there be a market on the index where you can buy and sell managers? They could also work on the MB aspect, but unsure how performance buzz would work. That's from Fi Atleti or Atleti Callum. Uh, that'd be quite funny. M- Mourinho scoring high highly on uh, performance buzz, wouldn't it? Uh, oh yeah, we always we we already get some high uh, media buzz scores for a certain manager at Leeds United, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we we most certainly do, yeah, uh, yeah, and and not to mention the the former Rangers manager, yes, right? Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I I really like this <laughs> idea, and when I was thinking of ideas that we could kind of talk about, that this was one of the ones that I had. So media buzz sounds easy to implement, and we can see evidence of of it already. And I like the performance aspect of it, and 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 again, this should be quite easy to implement. So, for my proposal would be. Um, that the, the the individual manager gets the total performance buzz points added together for all the players from their team for that specific game day, and then you compare the managers. Now, football index would have to be uh, reflective, or, or the performance buzz payout uh, in terms of dividends would have to reflect the fact that there are significantly less managers than there are players. Um, and it would also be dependent on FI sorting out their opt to feed on some of the club information that they get. But I feel like media bus should be pretty easy to implement and performance bus would just require a few tweaks to the scoring system. And I think that's, you've talked a few times about revenue streams and new revenue streams. I think manager buzz is about as a good as idea as I can think of for in, increasing revenue. I don't know. I, I think perhaps that the, the pool might be too small. If you think about a triple game day with 16 fixtures in in one um in one weekend or one saturday say that's only 32 managers and if you think about uh, the winning managers are going to uh are going to most likely be up there in terms of media performance buzz whatever let's say um 10 of those in 10 of those 16 fixtures a team wins that means that there's basically it's basically between 10 assets to return dividends does that make sense i think those pools are just slightly too small for football index and i think that it it might not make them as much money i think you 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 know you talked about like if it's worth them making an investment to, to actually profit from something i think there's not actually that many managers or enough managers for them to do it i think that that, that argument is is said about goalkeepers as well the only reason I go back to goalkeepers sometimes is is just because they're already there. Um, it, it's and this goes back to the cluttered ar- argument as well. If if neither, none of them or hardly any of them ever win PB, it, it's hard or it's difficult for me to see why not particularly goalkeepers, but some of those players should still be on the index and they should just re-IPO when there's when there's demand for them. But I, I'm not sure. That's that's a slight tangent that I've taken, but managers it's a strange one i i still prefer an idea of some sort of fancy football add-on and i've knocked on about this for for so long but but having a five aside seven aside 11 aside team that you could pick based on how many fixtures are available and then having a cumulative total of those points and then ranking people in the top 10 percent second 
top 20%, bottom 20%, uh, and then a median in between where people get their money back. I don't know, something like that, something stupid like that. But hopefully Kieran and the guys have got something cleverer than that. <laughs> quick, quick question for you on that one then. So assuming that they implement it, and I agree it's a fantastic idea, are you going to take players with a high average score or a high peak score? Oh, that's an interesting one. Well, I think if I was... It, it depends. That there'd probably be different pools, wouldn't there? There'd be um, you'd have a buy-in for say people who want to buy in with two pounds, and therefore the maximum that you could win is maybe twenty-five pounds. And if you were buying in at a ten-pound, fifty-pound stake, then maybe the maximum you could win is a hundred pounds or five hundred, a thousand pounds, respectively. I think if I was staking quite a lot of money uh, in this pool, so to speak, I'd probably go for a mix where I have a few average. Uh, scorers who who would keep my total score ticking along and then a few peak scorers that could catapult me from that top 50% into the top 20% if that makes sense so I'd kind of be not guaranteed but I'd be pretty safe in thinking that I'd probably make my stake back because of those average scorers and then have a decent chance of maybe returning a bit of money on top of that if some of my peak scorers come in but I don't know that that's just uh, all theoretical I haven't thought about this at all as you can tell Paul <laughs> no, no no i think i think you're right again the, the answer to a few of these questions tonight has been both um but yeah you'd, you'd pick both the high average and the high peak players both or, or circumstantial depending on 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 the the pools i guess but paul i think we've uh just about run out of time so th- thanks so much for coming on where, where can people find out more about you uh i tend to hang out on the uh hashtag football index twitter community i'm at buzzing paul um, I, I post daily performance buzz predictions and, and PB data that I find interesting and hopefully my followers find useful. Um, I'm, I'm always available for questions. Um, so so please, if anything's not clear on this on this podcast, just just uh, give me a shout on Twitter. Thank you so much for coming on, Paul. And if you guys are looking to own your trading skills, then why not head over to the YouTube channel? A thousand subscribers. Thanks everyone for your support. It's just been going on for just over a year now so it's amazing uh, the support that i've received and uh, a little bit of uh, monday morning reading well i've got the thing for you the football index newsletter along with uh, liam from football index lm and footy index ldn do give me a message if you want to subscribe to that i think we've got 500 recipients now and there's a couple good opinions there none from myself because uh, I don't know I think I'd rather hear from uh, LDN and Liam myself uh, and uh, if you're looking for some more football content then uh, why not try the State of Play pod with myself and Matt Santangelo uh, that is a football podcast that myself and him have started very recently that's at State of Play pod and if you guys did enjoy this a lot then please do leave a review I do love reading them and yeah do subscribe if you haven't done already what are you waiting for and tell your mates as well if they're on football index they've just seen that lovely sky ad then why not tell them to subscribe to the podcast and lastly if you've got any inquiries on sponsorship or just any inquiries in general for collaborative reasons then hit up my email that's football.index.guide at gmail.com that is the longest outro ever officially thank you everyone so much and have a lovely commute